0: Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Resident Pastor Ramon continues in our series, Disruptive Witness. Let's hear what God's Word has for us with Resident Pastor Ramon Belagamba.
1: So this morning, we're going to be in uh, Jonah 2. Um, Hear the word of the Lord. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice, you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me, but I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more Toward your holy temple the water engulfed me up to the neck the watery depths overcame me seaweed was wrapped around my head I sank to the foundations of the mountains the earth's gates shut behind me forever then you raised my life from the pit Lord my God as my life was fading away I remembered the Lord And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah onto dry land. That was the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Y'all may be seated. So just gathering us this morning, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity to hear from God today. Amen? Amen? Amen. The, that literally the world that we live in denies... Um, That God can move in our lives and in his world and that the word that we just heard from is not even the word of God. And and if it is, it's not really total truth. So what if I was to tell you that what we're looking at today, that Jonah living in the belly of a fish was true? and the fact of it is, is that it was not even scientifically possible. What would you think? Would you believe it? I would hope so. And let me tell you why. The big fish that swallows Jonah is actually not the big deal. It's not the big deal. Actually in February of 1891, off the Falkland Islands, there were two fishing boats that were whale hunting. They came across a huge sperm whale. One fishing group shoots harpoons into the whale and then the other boat came around and began to do the same thing to get this whale. But with the second group, the whale's tail actually hits the the boat and just literally knocks it over. There were two men in that second boat. One of those men drowned. The other man, he wasn't found. And then two days later, a few other boats got this same whale and they killed him this time and when they brought the whale up to the shore they actually slid him open and glory to God they found that second man who was missing his name was James Bartley James was unconscious but James was still alive And after some care, James resumed his life working aboard a ship. Hmm. So just to tell you this Jonah and the whale story, (laughs) this ain't too far-fetched. Similar things have literally happened before. So people read their Bible, and they say the story of Jonah and the big fish doesn't make any sense. It's a myth. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it surely does. Amen? And the miracle is not that the fish swallowed a man, because that's happened before. The miracle that we're looking at this morning is that the fish actually Paid attention to the Lord. Hmm. My question I got to you this morning. Are we paying attention to the Lord? Are we making Jesus central to our lives so that we can be available to the Holy Spirit? So he can literally work through our lives and our testimony. But we got a problem, we live in an exhausting world. There's literally so much that actually takes our attention that it affects our worship. Like we don't spend time with Jesus like we should. He's literally pursuing us and asking us to hang out with him, but we don't have time, Jesus. How can we be a light? We wanna be a light. But oftentimes if we don't spend that time with Jesus, we're gonna fail in our witness. And I know that can leave us so discouraged. But in today's text with Jonah, we can make an opportunity to make a connection between our worship and our witness. That the grace of our salvation should lead us to our witness. I'm going to say that for y'all again. That the grace of our salvation shall lead to our witness. So that in this chapter, we meet a rebellious Jonah in the belly of a fish. What's next? Let me give you a rec- quick recap of the scene for those of us that may have not been with us last week. See, literally, Jonah don't love his enemies. He ain't got time for them. Literally, we see in chapter one, he literally went to the other end of the world to avoid God's command to preach repentance to the Ninevites. That he didn't care if he was subject to the wrath of God and who was subject to the wrath of God because of it as well. And we also, Uncovered that Jonah in all his rebelliousness, he didn't have a heart to worship God. And it's the people who didn't worship the one true and living God who was showing us faith in that moment of crisis. But it's when he wakes up even just a little bit that he proclaims a bit of faith. And desires to him be the one to be killed that he actually saved those people in the boat. And then we saw the glory of God of seeing the non-God-fearing sailors come to faith through the sacrifice of Jonah. So that's where we meet Jonah today. So we meet him in this belly of a great fish, a protective grace for Jonah. That's what we learned today. And he's here because Jonah's running from God has led him to death's door. So Mr. Big Bad Prophet, has run into a problem he can't solve. (laughs) And choosing to obey God, not obey God, sorry, Jonah has gotten himself in the stickiest of a situation. (laughs) The reality is certain to be a sticky situation when we who follow Jesus choose to stay in the lane of disobedience like Jonah. (laughs) I know y'all been in some traffic jams. They frustrating. They burn a lot of gas. And gas ain't cheap right now. So I'm telling you like now that staying in that lane when we have to is bound to stand us in the standstill traffic of our lives. And in Jonah's case, it literally has led him to death's door in the belly of a great fish. Remember when Jonah was happy to flee? Remember he's happy to go to Joppa and, ju- and jump on that boat to Tarshish? Wasn't prayer the last thing on his mind? Hmm. Hmm. Look at your boy now. Let's, let's look at verse two. He's up here calling out to the Lord. It's funny how when a crisis hits, it leads people to look outside of themselves. With the quickness, a person's tune changes they playing a new song when they're in a hopeless situation. And your boy Jonah, <laughs> he's no different. With one foot in the grave, he is ready to surrender to Yahweh. He's like, Lord, you got it now. I can't do this no more. I need you, Lord. He's calling out to Yahweh. He's quick to pray because he has no other options. And Beloved. We can't let that be us. Amen. Beloved, prayer must be our first response, not our last resort. I'm going to say that again for y'all. I ain't hear no amens. Prayer must be our first response and not our last option. Okay. Y'all with me now? So facing the wrath of God, Jonah is quick to start spitting out a prayer. He's starting to spread out those, those Thanksgiving Psalms that he's read over and over from King David and King Solomon. And we see that in verses two through five. <laughs> but we know him better than that. From the context of our passage, we know that Jonah's heart, his heart is cold. He's ice cold like them alphas right now. And he is not. On fire for worship. And he's just walking in disobedience. So the words of Isaiah 29:13 are such a great fit for Jonah. The Lord said, These people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service. Yet their hearts are far from me and human rules direct their worship of me. Don't that sound like Jonah? His heart is very far from the Lord. See, the thing about it, family, is that running from God is never the way of salvation. Amen? Jonah has shown himself to be that example in the Old Testament. But God has a shocking parallel that we, that Jesus talked about in the new Testament with the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11 to 32. You can look that up when you get some time. So literally in his first two chapters, we have seen Jonah continually go down and down. And now we see him at the depths of the sea. So very similarly, In the parable of the prodigal son, we see the younger son. The younger son gets the bag and he runs away. And he runs away and he runs through that money until he has nothing left. To the point that a great famine comes on the land. He's like, yo, I'm about to go work with the pigs. I'm about to see if I can get some food there. I'm going to eat with the pigs. He is literally dying from hunger. Wow. Isn't that something... Kind of similar to your boy Jonah, that literally he's okay with being thrown in the water to die in the sea because he doesn't want to run to God. So we see both individuals running from God, abandoning his faithful love. And that points to verse eight in our text as well, that people who cherish their idols abandon their faithful love. So literally they're abandoning their salvation and a good word for salvation is rescue. Both of those individuals are running away from God when he is the one that we need to rescue us. And they're okay with ruining their lives to the point of death. See, Jonah, was muting his witness living more as a tragedy than a testimony of the grace of God. We should be surprised that Jonah, So we shouldn't be surprised that Jonah so far has lived more as a disrupting witness than a disrupting witness for the Lord. And the thing about this is we have to be careful that we order And watch our steps and our daily walk in Christ as well. As our running from God can lead us to death's door. So family, our big mistake we can make is thinking that running from God has to be intentional. When we are intentionally freeing from God, when we are hurting, this is what you call, this is a sin of commission. So let me give you a picture of this if you've never heard of that. So think about it. A parent tells a child that they aren't allowed to play video games. until all of their homework is done. And then the child says, I'm about to play these games. I word, I'll deal with them consequences later. You come back and you see the kid playing the games. And you're like, didn't I tell this kid, do your homework first? You ask him for the homework. The devil made me do it. Nah. (laughs) This is a straight act of disobedience. This is what you call a sin of commission. This is how we act literally when we're pursuing something else other than God to heal our pain. God has let us know he is our place of refuge, that he is the one that restores us. So when we do this, Whatever we flee to, when we are hurting, it becomes our Messiah. Ouch. It becomes the Christ to us. It becomes our king. And ultimately when we flee to instead of God, it becomes our savior. So either we can say, ouch. Or or many of us can say, nah, we ain't doing that. That we're not purposely running from God when we're hurting. But I tell y'all, family, there's another side of the coin. We're running from God, beloved. This is where it gets so tricky to us. Because we often struggle to obey God's command for our lives. We struggle with that. That's part of our brokenness. So when, we com- when we're committing the sin of now omission, this also leads us to run from God. We mean well, but still, we can't do what God has called us to do. Let me illustrate this one for y'all. So we're still parenting. So this time, a parent tells a child to clean their room (laughs) you wake up the next morning they failed to do it we have to see that this is disobedience as well and it's this time it's not because they've done something (laughs) it has to do what they haven't done that's an example of the sin of omission god calls us to a few things clearly through scripture consistently. God calls us to pray, number one. How often we fail to, to do that faithfully. God calls us to love our neighbors. Sometimes we struggle with that. And what we're seeing from Jonah, we see that it has to do with our worship. I want to make something clear to y'all. If you look at the first, just 10 commandments, you look at the the first four, the first four have to deal with loving God. And that is the vertical dimension of the cross. That's us loving God. The second table of the law, the last six, the horizontal dimension of the cross, that's loving our neighbors. So that's what Jesus said. Love, love your Lord, your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. So those bottom six of loving our neighbors, that, that's what constitutes mission. That's what our church wants to do well. We want to love God and love neighbors. We want to seek first the kingdom. We want to make disciples. So we see that we're not going to be able to do that if we don't worship well. So we have to see that the sin of a mission that, we, that we're talking about, that ultimately it keeps us running from God. So we have so many things that go on in our regular lives. We have work, we have school, we got social outings. Sometimes we got some sporting events we want to attend. We got hobbies. We got family vacations. We got stuff we want to watch on TV. Soon our lives are so busy that we don't find the time to obey God. And then a big life event comes out of nowhere. And then that just leaves us literally. It leaves us spiraling. Then we're just like Jonah. We're in distress. And we don't even realize how we got there. So we find ourselves in the belly of the fish. Often we're scared. We're confused. We're struggling with our faith. And the thing about it, it always impacts our worship. So how are we going to be on mission if we're spiraling with our faith? So when I worship, Is more divided than on point with God. We are literally living in a time of sunset with Christ. That we're literally seeing more darkness than light in our world when we are troubled. We can't see the light. We feel like we're in winter. And then when we're walking through almost darkness, we... We're literally struggling like a boxer who tries to get back up after he's knocked down, trying to get back up by the count of 10 and get back his balance. We want to regain our balance and see the sun again. Our sun has to rise again so we could be made whole and running to Jesus and obeying him is the only thing that can make us whole, amen? We're made whole through our worship and our worship is always the fuel of our witness. So I can't ask us in this series to be a disruptive witness where we live, where we work and where we play if our fuel tank is on empty. If our hearts are always on E and the gaslight is on, I can't ask you to live a disruptive witness, but we have to be grateful that God's grace is always near, readily available and ready to save us. And we see that God raises Jonah from death to life. See the beauty we see from God is that even though Jonah didn't have it all together, Jonah met a fish called grace. Yeah, yeah. And God appointed this great fish called grace to swallow Jonah before he drowned. God began saving Jonah even though his heart wasn't right. Yeah. And isn't that something? Because we, we we in chapter two, but God already started saving Jonah in verse 17, where it says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. My God, my God. In this text, we see he wasn't necessarily honest with himself for God. Jonah wasn't. But we see there is so much grace that God shows Jonah and us before we get ourselves together. May that encourage you. Family, that even before we get real with God and ourselves, that he could be so compassionate and gracious to us. Jonah wasn't thrown in the depths by God, as he claims in verse three. He was thrown overboard by the sailors at his own request. Jonah wasn't banished or driven for God's sight, as he mentioned in verse four. What did he do? He ran from his presence. So even in prayer, this prayer to God in his time of trouble, we see how Jonah lacked integrity. Like Jonah was dishonest from the jump. And we don't see a true confession and repentance from Jonah in this chapter. And he has cast himself like he's some righteous sufferer like Job but quite honestly, the costume doesn't fit him. And Jonah, for a brief moment, does turn towards honesty as we end verses six and seven, when he realizes that God has raised his life from the pit. As his life was fading away, (laughs) he then remembered the Lord. Wow, that was the call of Israel. To always remember the Lord. That's what they committed to before God with Moses. To always remember the Lord. You see how Jonah got it twisted? So for Jonah and us today, isn't it such good news that before we know that we need help, that God's grace is already working on our behalf? Amen? And God sent sent this great fish here to save Jonah. And what God, what Jonah is actually already praying to God for has already been appointed for and sent. And the good news is that God rescues us before we even realize we need to be rescued. Man, oh man. Grace. Amazing grace. I got to stir y'all hearts, y'all. Y'all can talk back to me. That grace got to maze your hearts. Jonah was super rebellious to the plan of God. He literally tests the limits of how deep God, God's mercy will go for us. In this text, we get to see that God's mercy. We'll go to the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea to save a rebellious prophet who all he deserved was death. I don't know about y'all, but it has to comfort our hearts knowing Jonah's story as well as the prodigal son's story that we can never outsin the grace of God in our lives that he is really just calling us to remember him. Just come back, come back, come back to his loving arms. That's what he's calling. That Jonah, oh, self-centered Jonah, that his prayer, when we see a little bit of partial repentance, that God was abundant in his grace for him that he was abundant with his mercy and grace for the rebellious. That God has literally accepted what Jonah was capable of praying. He couldn't even pray right, but God accepted his prayer. I don't know about y'all, but it makes me literally want to sing. He wants me to sing a Donnie McClurkin classic. And I can't sing y'all. But I'll say, Great is your mercy for me. Your loving kindness for me. That's what, that's what the Lord is saying to you, Christian. He's saying, Great is your mercy for me. it's loving kindness is always for you. And God's mercy for Jonah doesn't become his total salvation yet. And so Jonah gives him total praise and thanksgiving in verse nine. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Family, God raises up those who call to him in distress when they return to him in worship. God's grace in this situation wasn't complete for Jonah until his heart got right with him. Remember, we've been talking about our hearts. When our hearts are in alignment with the kingdom of God, things go right for us. But when our hearts are off serving the kingdom of self or the serving the kingdom of this world nothing ain't gonna change. And Jonah's heart got right with him. So we we see now in verse 10 that Jonah gets to go to the dry land. Because Jonah has finally acted right in worship. See now many of us we want God's grace to act in our lives before we even acted and worship. That's just our natural tendency that we don't like pain and we live in a society that detests pain. That's why these last couple of years have been so tough. See, the grace we see in Jonah's situation shows us that God is more than ready to show mercy and grace in our tough times if we are ready to return to worshiping him. The Holy Spirit raises our lives from death to life. Woo! Our greatest grace we can receive in life is responding by faith in the gospel. And now we can enter into eternal living in the kingdom of God now, not after we die. We enter into eternal living in the kingdom of God as soon as we say yes to Jesus and walk in the will and the way of the kingdom of God. And literally the Holy Spirit brings us from death to life. But the grace of the kingdom doesn't just stop there for us. Our salvation is far from complete. And all of our life in Christ is a life of grace. We don't have to have it all together. And we shouldn't live lives wearing a mask and acting like we do. Our honesty about our brokenness will always take us to God's grace than trying to go about it in our own strength. Thinking You can make it happen. You can go about your struggles outside of community only leads us closer to death's door rather than God's grace. See, suffering trials are life in a fallen world. Like we, even if you're in Christ, you cannot escape it. And sometimes our struggles will be out of our own control And other times trouble will come when we just stray from the Lord. And we can feel like we're trapped in the watery depths like Jonah, unable to make it back to the dry land. Didn't we see last week the sailors tried that? How did that turn out when they tried it for themselves? Anybody remember? How did it turn out? Y'all speak to me. How did it turn out for the sailors last week when they tried to get back on their own? Not well, right? It ain't happened. Right. But what happened? How did they get back? How did they get back to safety? They told Jonah. And what they do? Praise the Lord. So sometimes we're literally struggling, feeling like we are at death's door, like Jonah. And in our view, our son is setting on us and our circumstances. But our great comfort if we are in Christ today is that grace is always available when we in the valley. Jonah's time in the belly of the fish reminds us that God's presence never leaves us at death's door. We could rest on the promises that we read in Romans 8, 35 and 39. We need to read those daily in our struggle so write those down if you're struggling right now, just being real. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So if right now we are struggling, the presence of the Holy Spirit reminds us that trouble don't last always. But like Jonah, maybe God is just calling you back to worship. For that to happen, our hearts must make a running return to the worship of the Son of God. So that our hearts can rise like the sun again so that our days will be longer and brighter like the days of summer than like the coldest winter. So beloved, we have hard work to do. What's your identity and purpose in life? Ask yourself that question. Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your hobby? Is your bank account, is it your escapism, or is it to glorify God and love him? Is that, what is your identity and your purpose? That's a question we have to all ask ourselves. The blessing of this text is that Jonah met a fish called grace. And that the fish of deliverance came when that fish rescued himself. Rescued him from himself (laughs) and all his idols. So, what are the idols in your life that the Holy Spirit needs to rescue you from? What are your God replacements? It is in Christ that we are safe despite the ebbs and flows of our lives. We can rest and let him take up our burdens. That's something that he's promised to us. First Peter five, six and seven reads, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Beloved, he cares for you. Tell your neighbor he cares for you. Tell your other neighbor, he cares for you. Thank you all four of y'all that did that. (laughs) Oh, boy. The Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection can raise us again through our journey with Christ from death to life. And literally our sanctification, our growing in Christ can be at times a cycle of down to death, raised to life. Down to death, raised to life. Most of us, when we walk in with Christ, it's not linear. It's not just all just up, up, up. We can be honest about that. So you may be in the belly of the fish right now. But grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit, it says you don't have to stay there. Let the Holy Spirit work on you. In the midst of these trials, God's fish is always a fish of grace for you. Your testimony of his grace throughout your life, it could be a great witness to others. Your testimony could be a part of your growing as a disruptive witness people around you are longing they're longing to know what's real they're longing to know what's good deconstruction is happening because we're not telling them what's real what's good what's beautiful in the testimony of the grace of the holy spirit in a totally surrendered life in christ is the witness that our watching world always needs to see.
0: That was Pastor Ramon continuing in our series, Disruptive Witness. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. If you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, Come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and be sure to check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go on back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.